You're listening to the Girls on the Grid podcast with Tanea and Priya. Welcome to episode three of Girls on the Grid podcast. My name is Tanea and I am joined by my co-host Priya Richards, the Priya Richards. Hi guys. (laughs) Priya, what is going on in your world? We have not spoken for a week and I hear shit's kind of hit the fan. Fill us in. Oh my god, pulled a big reverse card there, didn't we? <laughs> you know card, come out and get ya. That's it. Here I was making fun of you last week um, with the sexy COVID voice. And now I get the sexy COVID voice for this episode. So yeah, we got knocked down, unfortunately. Probably a bit of, bit of travel between the states will do that. Riding around on e-scooters in Tassie. Spicy cough caught Spicy yeah. cough caught me. Yeah, but we're, we're okay. We're, we're getting there. I think we're up to day four or five now and still kind of copping it. But um, we'll be right. Someone who's a week ahead of you, it doesn't get easier. Yeah, everyone's telling me that. And I'm just just riding the wave at the moment, really. But um, you've had a very different week. What have you been up to? Well, I got my negative test on Sunday. Shove that in my face. Okay. Yeah, it was a very good day. It was a very good day. And I, Tuesday night, jumped on a plane and headed to Brisbane for the QR test day. Uh, They're filming for a client or a couple of clients, then hung around for the following day and went to a factory for one of the teams to do some filming. Then Friday morning, jumped on the plane and came home. Um, And now I'm just looking at a to-do list that has about 30,000 things on it that has occupied my Saturday and Sunday and will continue to occupy my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we go racing the following week. So, yeah, busy, busy times. And that is what is going on in my world. But Priya, honestly, we don't have a whole lot to talk about at the top of this episode because we have an incredible chat with the one and only Charlie Bullis, who is a reporter at supercars.com. The chat goes for about an hour. It's very insightful and we don't want to waste any more of your time. So let's just jump right into that one. And it is an absolute pleasure to welcome Charlie Bullis onto the Girls on the Grid podcast. Charlie, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I was blown away when you guys asked me. I was like, are you sure you want me to follow Jess Dane and Leanne Tander? Come on, guys. <laughs> we are sure. You are here for a reason, FYI. We wrote down our list of women we wanted to speak to, our top 10 first episodes, and there was no particular order, but you were on that list. And when we went out to our audience of who they wanted to hear from, you were also on their list. So it is a bit of a no-brainer that you are here chatting to us today on episode three of Girls on the Grid. Charlie, a lot of people probably don't know you. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. You know, the feedback that I get, what I'm coming up to my one-year anniversary in supercars in March, March 12th. So feel free to send gifts. Um, I'll give you my address. Um, no, so I think I popped out of the snow like a daisy, right? I think a lot of people were like, who is this chick? Where's she come from? Um, and I think that's pretty much one of those things where... You work in the background for so long and then you, you kind of make it and everyone thinks you're an overnight success, but really it was years of me badgering absolutely everyone that I possibly could, working for free, volunteering, 
saying uh, being that yes girl to then get my shot so yeah i understand that a lot of people would be like yeah we don't know you who are you you're just this yeah pommy girl that's popped up on supercars digital and yeah want to maybe get to know me or maybe not get to know me i don't know might not be everyone's cup of tea but um, I do like tea and biscuits, so that's pretty much the way to my heart. Well, funnily enough, you are our cup of tea here on Girls on the Grid. So tell us your story. How did you get into the sport? So I wasn't someone that was born into it. Um, obviously born over in the UK, lived in Essex. Woo, go Essex girls. Yes, that wasn't my life, but I lived down the road from those guys. So yeah, I wasn't born into a motorsport family at all. Unfortunately, lived not very far from Brands Hatch, but it wasn't something that my family did. So I moved over here with my parents when I was 18 years old and I was sort of dragged over here, to be honest. I had my life, I had my fam, like my friends back home, all that sort of thing. And it was like, no, we're moving to Australia, you know, kind of suck it up. So then, um, you know, I loved school. I was a straight A student, complete brown nose, and I had dreams of being a journalist and a fashion journalist, which is what most girls in the UK kind of want to be, um, get so big over there. And I went to try to go to uni and showed my little certificate, look at my grade A's, like, oh my God, I'm so amazing. And they just took one look at them and went, what are these? We don't know what these are. Um, you have to go back to school, uh, go back to year nine and start your HSC um, and then you can come to uni. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm 18 years old. Uh, one, no. And two, I'm pretty sure I shouldn't be allowed in a classroom of 15 year old boys. That's a bad idea. So um, pretty much in a nutshell, I, I wouldn't say got, went off the rails, but I just went, you know what, that's it. Life plan done. It, it's over. Everything that I've worked hard for, it's done. I'm just going to go get a job where I can. So I started in hospitality, I was living on the Sunshine Coast up in Queensland at the time. And I just worked for a few years. And then, um, but something was always missing, right? I was always never happy, couldn't stick a job for more than six months. I would get, oh, okay, I'm not progressing, so I have to leave. I have to go and find something else. Then let's fast forward. I was working in construction um, as administration and I met my husband there. Uh, I moved to Brisbane to take that job. Then really quickly, we, you know, I had a child uh, sort of a couple of years later. So I pretty much put my career plans on hold. So then I would say there was a pivotal moment when my son went to school. So his first day, he goes, and it's all very emotional. You're like, my baby is leaving the nest. This is so amazing. And then he comes home, and I, I will always remember this conversation because he said to me, Mum, what am I going to be when I grow up? And I said, Mate, you can be whatever you want to be. Just don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it. And something clicked in my head, and I went, Oh, my gosh, you are a massive hypocrite. Massive hypocrite. Because you let one person say, oh, no, your grades, this doesn't mean anything. And I, I took that. I was like, oh, okay, that means I can't do what I want to do. Fine. I didn't go get a second opinion, nothing. So I was like, right, that's it. I've got to go and do this. And funny enough, little things had happened along the way. Like I'd got a shot at doing a little bit of presenting. I'd got a shot at doing some writing. But it just came out of the blue. But I do believe in things happening for a reason. And I believe in sort of... The power of the universe, the universe will tell you where you should be headed. So um, my husband was um, racing in the New South Wales sports sedans at the time 
And I looked around grassroots motorsport and I thought, wow, there is distinct lack of women here in so many roles, but it is where a lot of us start. It's where we cut our teeth. It's where we learn the nuts and bolts of motorsport. Then I also saw the other side to motorsport being what I would call motorsport wife. So you see what drivers go through. They're prepping the car beforehand, obviously for weeks ahead of it. They pack up the trailer, they drive to the track, they do practice everything. And then it can either go really, really right and you're on, on the podium or finish the race, or it can go completely wrong. And I witnessed that firsthand, like cars blowing up, um, my husband raced in, he probably won't like me telling this story, but anyway, uh, he raced in the 12 hour in uh, the last one there was, 2020 before COVID hit. And um, yeah, he was coming down into the chase and a coolant cap came off, even though it looked like it was threaded on, it wasn't properly. And coolant spilled over the front wheels at going 200 k's an hour. He goes into the gravel, rips the car completely apart and it's 38 degree day. And I was like, you know what? These are the stories that I want to tell in motorsport and I, I want to be a part of this. I was always a big fan of supercars and I knew supercars is where I wanted to go. But yeah, I think that's pretty, a very long explanation to my story, but it was that I'd never, before I decided to give this a real, real go and put everything on the line, go back to uni at the age of over 30, you know, deal with a family while you're trying to start a brand new career and forge something for yourself. And uh, anyone that does know me knows that I'm an impatient person. I want it now and I will do everything I possibly can to make it happen. And the buck stops with me. So I knew that I had to do it. And as soon as I did and I committed full force, yeah, within two years of hustling, I've reached supercars, which I am so close to my ultimate goal. And yeah, it's a it's a surreal feeling. It it really is. I think you and I are very similar in the approach of one. I am probably the second most impatient person in the world, probably second to you, from a perspective of like, give me what I want, and I don't give a damn who's getting in the way. I'm getting there. No one, you don't stop me. Like I'm going. And when you get there, you just kind of stand there and you're like, oh, cool. And then you're like, this is cool. And I like, I know that you would have had that because I had that and I stood in pit lane with a camera and I'm like, wow. Yeah, I 100% had that moment. I remember in 2019, I vol volunteered in Bathurst. Um, yeah, as a supercars official, um, that's why I'm so passionate about sharing their stories because I've experienced it and just made some wonderful friendships through it. Um, yeah, and I stood at the bottom of Tower 3, which is, um, FYI, anyone that doesn't know, it's right near the media centre. So if you want to accidentally on purpose bump into Mark Scaife or Neil Crompton, that's where you stand. Um, but yeah, I was checking tickets at, at the bottom of Tower 3 and I said hello to every single person that walked by. And Chad Nalon, Matt Nolte, Bryony Ingerson, I badgered them all and said, I want to do what you do, help. Like, how do I do it? What do I need to do? Um, to get there and then in 2021 the supercars truck that i was working from as a digital content producer in my first year working for supercars was directly opposite tower three and i'd get out of that truck and i'd look and go oh my god like i actually did this and it's the first time in my life guys that i've actually seen something through 
and you have to you have to shamelessly pat yourself on the back for that so i did i put it on instagram because what else do you do me and you have a very very similar story like very similar pathway at events i walk past the post or the like especially at bathurst they have the little kind of walkways through the pit lane and the walkways is where i used to sit when i wasn't on the on the wall blowing my whistle and I used to sit in these walkways and I walk past and I see all the people doing it now and I'm like wow <laughs> like what what is this and I actually know a couple of people who are still volunteers and stuff and they're like they always come up to me and they're always just like big hugs like like we're so proud of you like look at you go like you always said like I would stand on the wall or I'd have a break and I'd be like I'm, like, I'm gonna be doing what these guys are doing one day you just watch me like, I would stand there and just tell them. I used to watch Rihanna walk up and down and be followed by cameramen. I used to watch a lot of men operate video cameras in garages. And I'm like, and I used to try and, like, stand out in front of the garage so I could be super close to the action. And I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna be able to walk into any garage in pit lane and do whatever I want from filming perspective very soon. And, and that's it. That's exactly what it is. And when there's really great days, you celebrate the fact how far you've come. And then when there's really tough days, you also have to say to yourself, well, I, you know, I wanted this. I've worked really hard for this. Now I just have to keep pushing the way I was pushing back then. And I think that's for me, I still have... I still have imposter syndrome massively. It's not like I'm suddenly cured and I think, oh, yeah, I'm here. I've made it, guys. Let's just sit back. And, you know, it's not like that whatsoever. It's okay. Well, yeah, how do I reach that next level? How do I, I, I painlessly watch back everything that I do? I read everything that I write and critique it. And I think that's a big part of just you keep wanting to evolve and keep wanting to be better and the best version of yourself you definitely have to pat yourself on the back for how far you've come and the hustle and the grit and the fact that you didn't give up is really important it was a like rather timely surreal moment for me a few days ago it was exactly like five years since i left home like moved out at 18 and moved to melbourne and like i had this moment where like five years seems like forever but I still remember like having my last night inside my childhood bedroom that is covered from wall to wall in signed supercars posters it still is I go home at Christmas now and I walk in and I'm like this is like a shrine to the supercars paddock like it's just all I wanted and I going home is just almost scary to me to to see that to see the shrine of signed posters and I don't know it actually makes me a little emotional to think about it's it's not oh, that that's so nice I think my son's bedroom's going to be like that but it's because I've put it on there so I'm like look it's not his job yeah I'm like look you've got posters of gen 3 cars look at this and he's like what I'm like gen 3 look at gen 3 let's get excited and then yeah like yeah, I'm like, oh, you have to take a photo with Cam Waters. You have to sign his hats up. Like, do this, do that. Oh, yeah. Like, he likes it enough and he likes he likes Cam Waters. Like, I know it probably doesn't make me sound impartial, but he loves him because he's obviously got the M on his car and my son's name's Miles. So I don't think my son's connected the dots that it's actually his sponsor. It's not actually, you know, four miles. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he loves it. And I like the fact that I get to share it with him um, because, yeah, there's not, apart from my family, um, I was saying this the other night that there's not a lot, a lot of 
women in my friend circle that I get to connect with over the love of motorsport. And I think that's really important as well is that we, you know, yeah, support each other, big each other up, be there on the good and bad days and yeah, share our stories like this. So it tells other girls, women and young boys as well that it's achievable and you can do it. So it was only the end of 2019 where you were a supercars official. That's, that's not long ago at all. So how have you been able to do this in such a short amount of time? So as I said before, I started in grassroots. So my husband was racing in the New South Wales sports sedans and I just started doing a little bit of a, a vlog and just doing pieces to camera, talking about his weekend, just doing Facebook posts about his weekend. And I just, I was like, this, this is it. This is where I want to be. This is just like, it, it's clicked. Then I was sitting watching um, the TA2 championship. It was on Fox Sports one Friday evening and it was a replay of one of the rounds. And I was watching it and I was like, oh, again, there's a distinct lack of women here. I see an opportunity. So I emailed the you know media at ta2.com.au and was like, okay, well, I'd really like to come along. I see your next rounds at Sydney Motorsport Park, you know, before I moved to Queensland where I am now. I was 20 minutes from SMP. I was like, well, I'll come down. I took the day off of uni, uh, didn't know them, hadn't met them, turned up and was like, I'm here. I would love to just have a shot at, you know, filming some things, doing some reporting, doing some writing, just give me a go. He said, yeah, okay, no worries. Well, we'll go and have a meeting with Craig Denyer. I said, okay, cool. Not actually knowing who Craig Denyer was. And for those who don't know, Craig Denyer is the the ultimate guy of V8 Utes. Um, he brought the category and built it up to this incredible, just iconic motorsport category in Australia. Um, commentary, presenting, he does it all. And he's also Grant Denyer's dad. I didn't know any of this. So I went and sat in the cafe with him and went, give me a go. And he's like, what experience do you have? Heaps, give me a go. Then... He said, okay, all right, well, I'll get you to do a few um, pieces to camera. I'll get you to do a few features. We'd like to do a, a father and son feature. I'll get you to do the interviews for that. I'll watch it tonight. If I like it, you can come back tomorrow. I said, okay. Later on that day, I handed it all in, hand it all over. And he said, okay, come back tomorrow. So then that was the live race meeting on the Saturday, Sunday. I reported on that. It was all post-produced, but um yeah and then the end of Saturday he said okay come back tomorrow so I came back on the Sunday and then two weeks after that they were holding their round their final at Queensland Raceway that the wonderful Aaron Seaton won and that was just an incredible incredible moment for me and I I hosted it and that became my showreel and also my springboard into yeah other other things so I think now I live by the motto of you kick down that door and then you ask permission to be there. And I have done the same thing throughout the whole two years of put your hand up, show up and show that you want to be there. And in motorsport, because you're keen, because you want to be there, because you want to work hard, the motorsport community really help you out. I think that's the massive thing and I think that's a big thing of how I have got to where I was in 2019 to where I am now is because the motorsport community go, hey, this is someone that's really keen, wants to do it, wants to bring something a bit different, let's embrace her and help her along the way. 
So as a motorsport journalist, as well as a presenter, what does your kind of day-to-day look like? So there's two different elements to my role. I guess you've got the race weekend part of my role, and then you've got the out-of-race weekend part of my role. So um, I have kind of, I've deliberately given myself quite a varied skill set. So yes, interviewing, presenting, uh, writing, then also I can do some video editing as well, voiceover work. So I've tried to, and I'm trying at the moment to do a Tanea and do some shooting. And actually, you both do that, don't you? So I'm trying to do what you guys do as well, just to add another little string to my bow. That needs some serious work. But I've got fantastic mentors. The digital team, you know, we've got, we're a small team, but we all work exceptionally hard to promote the sport and do absolutely our absolute best to not only service the fans but bring in new fans as well um so yeah a day-to-day would be that i yeah look out for stories so there'll be press releases and livery announcements or team announcements that we have to run then there will also be interviewing drivers interviewing people throughout the paddock to get those other sort of stories but then a massive part of my role is what we call color so it's those Um, off-track things that aren't really related to racing. So, for example, the week that I started, uh, one of my biggest stories to date, funny enough, is that Jamie Winkup, um, he lost his wallet in a Subway restaurant um, and someone handed it back and he gave them um, some money as a reward because the employee handed it back. I wrote up that story and it got 50,000 clicks. So that's the kind of stuff that I do. I'll write about weddings, I'll write about baby news and bringing that personality and bringing that off track side of things to supercars fans. So, And then that's what I kind of enjoy as well. I think if I wasn't in motorsport, I probably would have gravitated towards yeah, celebrity and lifestyle writing. So I try and bring that element into it. Um, and then, yeah, when we're at the racetrack, we are, we're in the truck, we're covering the race, um, we're going to press conferences and writing up stories afterwards. You might see me on a Facebook Live with the amazing Chad Nalon uh, and Brian Ingerson. Um, and then, then, yeah, it's also commercial things. So, for instance, last week we shot the Bunnings tipping ad um, and I'll be the sort of nodding head for that. So it's a very, very varied role and I feel really lucky that there's so many different elements to supercars that you can cut your teeth on and try different things and broaden your skill set. So that's a sort of average day for me but nine times out of ten I'm trying to call a driver and say hey what do you think about this that's normally the crux of of my job and scouring their Instagrams I watch their Instagrams like a hawk (laughs) wow what a glamorous job that must be post more things guys post more things (laughs) so give us a little bit of an insight to what it takes from a perspective of like you said 50,000 clicks that's obviously a, a KPI or performance indicator that is great what are the other things that you look for when you're writing a story and when you want to get it out to, obviously Supercars has a very passionate and large fan base. So it's it's writing things that they want to hear. It's uncovering the stories. It's telling them the things that the broadcast won't or things they might miss and getting their opinion because I think from Supercars, we are so probably take it for granted a little bit how accessible our athletes are. Like our athletes are ridiculously accessible to the fans and to media so for you what is when you think of 
Jamie Winkup has a baby, you write a story. So when you get all this information, how do you know what to, to run on supercars or what to just let slip by? What are you trying, what are you thinking of when you're writing the stories? So I guess where I'm looking at it from a more, what we say, colour perspective, whereas we have our other journalists that are very, uh, just incredibly, it, the, their knowledge is, is amazing. Like I'm talking about James Pavey, I'll call him out. Um, he's, he's just, a, we call him the matrix because we'll say, oh, hey, what happened in that race in 2006 between so-and-so and such-and-such? -and -such? He'll tell you exactly what happened. So we call it tapping into the matrix. So we have James Pavey, this wonderful amount of encyclopedic knowledge on the sport. And what he looks for is those milestones, those, you know, where SVG could make a, a record. He looks for um, so many different, like, anniversaries or um, certain battles at a corner. So if we're heading to Sydney, for example, he'll know all the statistical data about, okay, well, you know, there's been this altercation here, this altercation here, I can write a story about that. Um, and then he's very good at talking to drivers about, yeah, their racing, their strategy, uh, and also he can break down the technical data really, really well. I'll hold my hands up, that's not me. I don't have that skill. What I can do though is, yeah, look at something on someone's Instagram and go, that's a story. Or I see that there's, um, I'll talk to the volunteer coordinators and they'll tell me that there's the first female clerk, of course. That's a story. So it's about asking yourself, if I was a fan, which I am, but if I was a, like a mega fan, what would I find interesting? What would I want to know? And that's how you frame your questions to drivers as well. It's what can I tell the fan that they can't get from, yeah, from broadcast, even though our broadcast is exceptionally good and the coverage is great and we've got amazing talents, but it's when we're not at the track, what, what do they want to know? And then also part of my role is to bring in new fans. So it's, okay, what can I then show someone who knows nothing about supercars? What would they like to know? And yeah, it is that more celebrity stuff. So it is, yeah, James Courtney has gotten engaged. That people want to know that. People want to celebrate their life milestones as well as their milestones on the racetrack. So yeah, when you're looking for a story, you definitely look think about what would I want to know? What do I find interesting? And you, that definitely gets you along the road to, yeah, I've, I've found a good story because I find it interesting. I'm a fan. I'm also a female that reads, you know, uh, Mamma Mia. I read, you know, all sorts of other media outside of what I do. Um, and yeah, it's sort of, if it's got that kind of Kardashian effect to it, that, you know, it's that kind of reality TV kind of vibe. We know from Drive to Survive with Formula One how popular actually getting to know the drivers is. So, yeah, I make sure that we bring an element of that into our reporting. So, obviously for me, the sport has been ingrained in my life since I was born. So, for you, do you think being a fan and, and kind of working behind the scenes a bit before going to being as heavily involved you are now, do you think that has helped you progress in your career? Has it, has it motivated you more, do you think? I think what I'm motivated by is telling those stories. As I said before, like understanding what the driver goes through. I think that's what really motivates me and that's what I want to share. Um, I kind of kick myself that I wasn't involved in motorsport back in the UK because, 
you know, Formula One was so accessible to me. And, you know, I, I would have been over there when some of, you know, like Fabian Coulthard was racing over there. Like I would have been around. So there's all these things that I feel like I missed out on. Um, and all of obviously the, as I was saying, the archival knowledge of supercars I've missed out on because it's not something that's watched as much over in the UK. It wasn't as accessible, you know, back in the early 2000s where it is now. Um, you know, there's Superview, we live stream it over YouTube. There's, you know, old races on our super archive. That's so much more accessible now. Like I grew up pre-internet guys, like I am old. So it is like, you know, I didn't have ready access to it. So I do feel like there's a big kind of gap in my knowledge, but I use that to motivate myself and say, okay, well, you've got to fill those knowledge gaps. You've got to then go back and read things and watch videos and find out that information because we've got drivers on the grid and engineers and people behind the scenes that have had incredible careers not only in supercars but yet yeah, in racing overseas and it's a part of my job to know that and i think that yeah the fact that i don't motivates me to go and find it out so i think but it also gives me a different edge that i will probably explain it quite layman's terms because that's how i learn that's how i learn because i'm not a mega fan i'm not someone who's super technical so yeah, if you're looking for something super technical, I'm not your girl. But if you're looking for something that's kind of, yeah, layman's terms and a, a non-fan could understand, then, yeah, then, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I try and bring to it. In your short but very successful career so far, what would you say your favourite memory is? Definitely, yeah, bashing down the door to Craig Denyer, definitely. Um, God, there's so many. Yeah, that one was really like, wow, okay, you've you've actually made that really happen. Um, in 2020, I hosted the um, uh, Speed Week E-Series. That was a really cool experience. It, you know, I hadn't really been involved in sim racing at all. That was, you're in a studio, you're, that was a whole, you know, things in your ears. That was a whole complete experience. But I think you can't go past Bathurst, you know, reporting my first time at Bathurst, watching an echidna stop the race, which was just like iconic. Um, but then there's also so many little things that I really love and that I just go, wow. Like, for instance, at Queensland Raceway on Tuesday, we had our first test day of 2022. It's Jamie Winkup's first day on the job as the Triple Eight boss. And I was standing there for a while. And I've always, I'm always holding my phone ready to record and I'm standing there and I'm waiting for him. He's talking to another journo and I'm waiting for him to finish up. And Brock Feeney comes up behind me and just goes, guys, have you got, you got time for an interview? Have you got time for an interview? And like jokes around with me while I'm waiting for an interview with Jamie Winkup. And then Jamie Winkup comes over, knows me by name. And we chat about life and how are you? What's going on? Congratulated him on the birth of Macy. Then we jump into the interview and then afterwards we talk about the fact that we love boats and he was saying that I've got a great boat and we were talking about all this other stuff. And then I say, thanks so much, Jamie. Have a great day. I turn and walk away. And for me, that's like, whoa. If you told, yeah, 2018 Charlie that that was going to be a thing, then she would not believe you. And there's 
so many little tiny moments like that like even Warren Luff for example him and I we're great friends now and I'm like he's just a, like a legend of the sport and I can call him a friend and all we do is exchange dad jokes that's all we do we don't say hello how are you we send dad jokes to each other but I think that's just some of the things that I just pinch myself over because that's like a reward for working so hard right that's the fact that I yeah stood at the bottom of that tower I left a voicemail on Sean Seamer's phone saying I really really want a job how do I make this happen like oh I could cringe I could so cringe over the fact that I did that but I did it because I wanted the job and I I was not going to stop at anything to do it um and then it still took another eight months after that and then they called me and said look we've we've got something would you like to apply I still went through the apply process I didn't cut any corners um, I earned the job but yeah there's so many different things that you sit back and go wow like yeah Jamie Winkup knows my name what it's just yeah and to call like Jess Dane my peer like to have my name written on a list next to Jess Dane for yeah to go on your podcast I was like this is not this is not right like someone's got me mixed up I don't understand but then you kind of sit back and go well, you know what you you did work hard for this and you have to pat yourself on the back but then you also have to keep pushing forward because yeah if you're someone like us that yeah wants to push themselves and get to as far as they possibly can in their career you never take a back seat and say I'm done you always keep pushing that a little bit harder. So you said you've done a bit of radio presenting in the past. So would you ever consider doing anything similar outside of motorsport? Yeah, definitely. I think, again, it's about broadening that skill set. And I think radio taught me a lot about talking without stumbling over your words, being clear, um, having fun, even though you can't see anyone. I think that was a big thing. I used to do a, a breakfast show on a community radio station and, yeah, I used to get people in for interviews I used to have to read the traffic at the top of the hour uh, do the weather intro outro out of songs obviously organize the playlist so multitasking and the fact that you're live and you have to keep talking and you have to make sure that you're doing everything pressing buttons and doing everything correctly while you're talking um, there's skills in that that you should learn I think also it probably fends off Alzheimer's because you're like using both sides of your brain at once and you're pressing buttons and yeah I really really enjoyed it I really really did and I would certainly certainly consider it obviously I have to say the right thing I have to say that supercars is my priority and of course it really really is but yeah I think I will never turn down other opportunities because yeah it's all about that evolving and yeah, I don't know if I could do one outside of motorsport, though, because I don't think I'm interesting enough to talk about other things other than motorsport. I don't do much else. So, I'd like, I'd, yeah, unless you want to hear about, yeah, mum life and all the crazy things I have to do to get my son out the door in the morning, um, or if you're really into driving Mustangs like I am, other than that, there's not much else that I would talk about on radio, apart from play Ed Sheeran on repeat, because that's my son's favourite, favourite. <laughs> So, Charlie, you and I worked together on a couple of pieces in Sydney last year, a couple of pieces of content. Like, you are a pro. Like, you're actually a pro. Like, I've worked with a lot of, and I'm not, not, just, I'm not just here to fun be tires up, but genuinely I was like, 
it's it's a big difference when you work with someone who knows what they're doing versus working with someone who's just having a cra- having a crack. And I said, here's the brief. Talk about this. And the content just like it was almost as if it just already existed in your brain and it just kind of just like you were reading a teleprompter but you weren't you're fully ad-libbing it and it's actually like you are a journalist but is presenting what i'm trying to say i guess is presenting your end game like do you want to run the fox broadcast is that like is that what you want to do because that's really cool yeah um jesse yates is my absolute idol i had the honor of interviewing her in 2019 she is my end game and i think that she is again an incredible journalist an incredible broadcaster and she is someone that i look up to and she knows it because i fangirl all over her every time i see her Uh, But she's also been a little bit of a mentor to me. She's helped me out along the way. I've sent her several emails and she's responded and said, look, maybe think about this, think about that. Um, But I remember she said to me after that interview, she said, you know where you want to go? Go for it. And I did. And I, yeah, in Bathurst 2021, I saw her. She was being interviewed by someone else. I'm standing there in my supercars kit. And I just said to her, I did it. And she was like, I knew you would. So I think... And yeah, like I've been very honest about where I want to go. I want to be doing more presenting. The guys that I work with just are like, shut up because you keep talking about it all the time. But like they're not. They're really supportive, but they're probably in their brain going, yeah, we know. We know that's what you want to do. But it's all about like, it's, it's that double-edged sword, right? You kind of don't want to be handed it because you're the token chick, which I'm not. There's an incredible amount of women now in pit lane, but... You know, you want to earn it, but also I'm an impatient person, so I want it now. So I think that has sped up the fact that, okay, well, you need to level up, Charlie. You need to make sure that, yeah, you've done all this post-produced stuff, but now you need to go live. Now you need to learn all of the intricacies of live broadcasting. So that's now my next what I'm working through. So it starts with Facebook Lives. It starts, you know, talking to Chad after we've done a Facebook Live and go, hey, how can I work on this? What Give, give me feedback, this, that, and the other. You take that on board and go, okay, cool. I'll Next time, I will do this, that, and, and whatever. There's still days I get it completely wrong, completely wrong. The other day on a Facebook Live, I said driving the 888. I should have said driving the 88. So there's things that you need to constantly tweak and work on. But, yeah, presenting is my end game, and it feels awkward to say it it feels awkward to admit that's what you really really want but it's also like well you you have to like you have to tell people where you want to go and you have to own that and be okay with yeah you like I love my job it's not that I don't love it it's not that I'm not I feel privileged to be in my job I work hard at it we have amazing pros and cons to our job like everyone does but I think yeah, I can't hide the fact that, yeah, I want to be known as a great broadcaster within supercars and I want to bring something really different to it. And I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of hard work along the way, but if there wasn't, I probably wouldn't want to do it. I'd find it a bit too like, okay, cool, I'll just I'll just sit where I am now. But, yeah, I, I can't, I just can't do it, guys. <laughs> I'm an overachiever, type A, crazy list-making Mum, that's me. <laughs> have to have the next thing. Otherwise, I, I know that like all three of us on this podcast are very similar. 
We're not standing still. We're never, we're never standing still. And there always needs to be that thing to work towards. And I battled it with it when I got to supercars and I'm sure you did as well. And you were like, oh, okay. So like, what do I do for the rest of my life? Like you just have this big realization of, oh, cool. So I've got the thing that I wanted since I was a young girl. Cool. Now what? And it's quite confronting. It's quite confronting to dig deep within yourself and ask yourself what you want next. When every, when you had just received what you had dreamed of for so long and you're like, okay, this is it now. Now what is next for me? How do I get the next thing? What is the next thing? And for a while I didn't know. I didn't know. I know exactly now. I'm crystal clear on what I want. I'm running and it sounds like you are as well. But I will be, I'm not going to be, or I want to be, I will be running an agency that works with the best brands in Australia within motorsport and not motorsport. Like, it's just, that is that is what will happen. And every day I get out of bed and it's like, cool, so what can I do to get to that? And you'd be the same with presenting. Cool, how many videos do I need to do today? How many stories do I need to write? How many lives do I need to do? to get to where I want to get to. Charlie wants to be a broadcaster. Cool. How does she get there? Tanae wants to front up an agency. Cool. How does she get there? Pri wants to do very similar things to what I want to do. How does she get there? And it's just about saying, yep, this is it. It's not, I want it to happen. It is happening. At some point in the next phase, it's happening. And then you do the same thing where you go, okay, once you get there, cool. What's next? It's a constant cycle of just going through that process. Yeah, it definitely is. And having your why is so important because it will push you through those days where you feel like giving up. And also having someone that you can call on those days and be like, God, like I am ready to throw in the towel. This is too hard. You know, like back to back rounds in Sydney, um, away from, you know, my son missing out on a whole bunch of stuff homeschooling while still working you know 13 hour days in lockdown last year uh, yeah it, I was close to throwing in the towel a few times and just going you know what like not that there's anything wrong with this but you know what I could go and work a nine-to-five job doing you know administration you know personal assistant I've done that before I could go do that and it's your why is the reason why you keep going I don't think we ever talk about the like everyone looks at what we do, all three of us, and say, wow, that's so cool. It is It is cool, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't have its downsides or it doesn't mean it like when you finish your seventh 16-hour day in a row at a racetrack and you're just beyond any kind of, con- like you can't even sleep because you're that tired. Like you are that exhausted that you can't sleep. I don't think I ever spoke about this on the podcast, but at the Sydney's last year, like by Sydney 4, I sat on the roof of, city motorsport park and just cried and pleaded and i'm like i don't want to be here like i sat on the roof on a thursday night and just cried and just said i just want to go home i don't want to be here and this is someone who loves the sport so much that she used to volunteer 500 hours a year just because she loved it that much and to sit on a roof and cry about being stuck at a racetrack being paid to be at a racetrack it was confronting it was confronting to have to deal with that. And I'm like, why am I so upset? This is everything I want. But at some point you just have to just sit with it and be like, I'm just tired. And I am 
young, I don't have kids, like I don't have any commitments. So then I look at all these people doing it with families and kids and I'm like, Tanea, just pull your head in, get over it, woman. <laughs> Suck it up. But it's all relative, right? It's your, yeah, it, it's your life. And because, you know, I have kids or whatever, it doesn't make me any less or more or anything like that. We're all in there and we're all having to do the same thing. So like, and the, that's a massive thing. You can't be hard on yourself. And, you know, I've, I've got a friend that will probably laugh if he listens to this and goes, but you are the hardest person on yourself ever. Um, yeah, he will laugh his head off, but it's, yeah, it's not being hard on yourself and be like, it's okay. And it's reaching out in those times. And I think, yeah, we also work in a, a heavily male dominated sport. And I think it's important for the guys to know that as well, that they need to reach out if they need help if they need time out, that they need to do that as well, as well as we do. So I think we are lucky in motorsport that it is such a community and I always feel that. I always feel like there's someone I can turn to and go, hey, I'm having a rough day, you know, can we go grab a coffee or can we, you know, can you handle this while I'll handle this thing and we're still making what we need to do happen today. So. I think the motorsport community does really understand that. However, I'm not in a race team and I don't understand the pressure that's on a race team. So I'm only speaking from it from my media cap. But yeah, I know race teams have a whole different amount of pressure and you see how late they work and how hard they work from, yeah, from everyone in a race team. So I do always look at those guys and go, you know what, at least I kind of get to sit in a truck for part of the day and I watch the race. I'm not working during, well, I am working, but it's not like I'm running around sorting out a race car during a race and sorting one out afterwards. So I think, yeah, you have to, I always sort of say that to myself, like at, at least I'm I'm not running around as a a, um, a mechanic because I think I've probably lost about three seconds um, because I'd probably like bump my finger and start crying. Like, that's probably what I would do. You're a big advocate for the girls coming to this sport. Um, and you've worked with the girls on track program and now more recently careers with gears. Do you think we should be running more of these programs to give young girls that extra exposure to the sport? I don't necessarily think it's more programs. I think it's just what I've tried to do. Um, I'm a massive, as you say, massive advocate for girls on track. I think it's wonderful the fact that girls aged eight to 18 can come along to a, a live racetrack that normally run them alongside race meetings and experience motorsport. And for a lot of them, it's their first taste of anything to do with it. Or some of them, it's, yeah, they've grown up in it. They're, you know, mum, dad, family are hardcore into it. And it's just another introduction for them. But yeah, they get to do STEM challenges. There's the um, fitness challenge. There's pit stop practice which is awesome I, I just stand there and go can I run this one they go no I'm like, oh, fine <laughs> it's the coolest one um, and then the simulator as well and then there's just incredible women involved Jess Dane Molly Taylor Kate Peck women that have forged incredible careers in so many different ways Romy as well um, and that's definitely something that needs to continue and I'm so glad they've got extra funding in Queensland this year and they're going to be pretty much in every state and I think that has a massive place in the motorsport landscape. Um, what I've tried to do with Careers with Gears was it was born from 
girls sending me messages through Instagram saying, how do you do what you do? How, how did you get here? And I kept getting so many that I was like, okay, I feel like there's a gap here. There's a gap between what you do when you're in school and you're introduced to motorsport and then when you're trying to get a job in motorsport there's a lot of gray area if you did especially if you didn't grow up in it like me then you definitely don't know where to begin so but I wanted it to be heard from people actually in the sport and it's not just male uh, sorry female speakers it'll be male speakers as well but Each month, I'm going to do an online session, which we just had our first one a couple of weeks ago. It was myself and three panellists, which is Sharice Bristow, who's the team coordinator for Triple Eight, Courtney Tyler, who's the co-founder and team manager for Jam Motorsport, and Bryony Ingerson, who's a producer and presenter for Supercars. So they pretty much, five or ten minutes each, talked about their own careers, how they sort of got to where they are, what day in life of, and then we opened it up for questions. But... It was also a space for the 17 girls that came along to own the fact that they love motorsport. As I said before, I'm the only female in my group of friends that's hardcore into motorsport, but there's also girls that, you know, it's not their interest at all. Totally fine. Everyone's into their own things, you know, all good. Um, It was just a space, Careers with Gears, that come along and they can say, hey, I love motorsport and I can connect with like-minded women that want to be in the sport or are in the sport and feel supported. Then the next phase, because obviously I have to push it forward, this is like the theme of my life, is that I want to create mentorships. I want it to be in person. So... Bryony and I have talked about pulling our supercars tickets that we get and inviting local girls when the events are in their local area to come along, to experience pit lane, to come and just walk along with us and feel comfortable in that environment because it can be a really intimidating place. It's not that the people are intimidating that I've found, my personal opinion, it's that it, there's so much going on, there's noises, there's people running around, there's tyres being wheeled everywhere. It can be like a big show too. Like, it's a big deal. Like, to be a proper Fox Sports broadcaster championship, like, we're not just talking about little things. Like, it's a big show with a lot of moving parts, and it is very overwhelming. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. I remember I was shit scared, you know, to even talk to people. So I was just like, I am nothing in their world. For me to talk to someone was I was like, I do not want to burden these people. So to have the door opened for you, and like even just with girls girls on the grid, like we ha- I had someone DM the page, and she was like, like I just want to know what you guys do. I'm, I've, I've applied to volunteer at Newcastle, and then that hit with me. I'm like, that's, that's how I started. And I'm like, reach out to me at Newcastle, send us a message at Newcastle, come and just hang with me for an hour or two. Come and just fly on the wall with me or Priya or whoever it is. Just come and be with us. If you have the guts to message us, or not even the guts, it's not guts, it's it's just conviction that it's what you want to do. If you have that, come and hang with us. Like I will, like even me and Priya, for example, Priya messaged me in 2018 and said, I want to do what you do. How do I do that? And I said, Let's do this. I will teach you everything I know. We now work side by side on the same client work. 
That's exactly it. It is, it is about that opportunity. And I think, yeah, I do the same thing. If someone messages me or, yeah, I've met them at Girls on Track, it's, hey, come on in. I'll, I give them a tour around the truck. I walk them up and down pit lane. I show them what we do. I explain it all. I think, and that's just... Like, you can't be what you can't see. Like, I know people say it's a cliche, but a lot of it is we don't... And because we're in it, sometimes we forget there's a lot of people that don't don't understand what goes on. And I think, yeah, that's definitely something that, you know, Bryony and I especially want to work on it together to get girls to the, the actual track during the race meets and, and see things. And then it's also actually introducing them to someone who does the job that they want to do and say, hey, have a conversation, see what you can do. That's people like... Therese and Shannon and all those women who are paving the path to do that. Beck, Beck Dutton at Shelby Power Racing. There are so many women doing so many cool things that we don't know about. Exactly. And I think like the even when we were in on the session, that one girl mentioned she's like, Oh, I'm such a massive fan of uh, Mark Scaife, you know, I'd love to know how I can sort of, you know, work with athletes and that sort of stuff. And Bryony was like, oh, hey, I've got this, that and the other. I could reach out to this person. And then Sharice is like, well, she's a category manager for Radical Cup Australia as well. Come along to a race meeting with us. Courtney Tyler, she's had a couple of girls reach out to her that want to be mechanics. Great. Come along to the next time we're at the track. They're at the track all the time. I'm so jealous. They're at the bend. Um, come along and experience it. And I think that's just, that's the gap that needed to be filled and that's what I, I want to do I want to say hey here's a space for you to own the fact that you love it and here's some solid advice from people that have done it and connect with them and connect with each other and then let's just get more girls feeling comfortable and wanting to pursue careers in the sport like this isn't an us and them thing this is opening the door so more women can walk through it will be a better place with more women in it it will be like you can't even say like it might be no it will be it will be to have more women following their passion will make the sport a better place so for you careers with gears it is a monthly seminar workshop dealio hopefully Priya and I will at some point make an appearance and share our knowledge more so than what we are on this podcast but it is a also a Facebook group that is opened, doors are open to everyone. Come and join it, come and ask questions and, but not like the, the podcast is one thing and me and like me, Priya and yourself, we're all going in the same direction. We all want to end up in the same place. So we're all going to work together to get to the same place, really. And Cruise with Gears, I'm in the Facebook group. Someone posted a question about cameras. I'll see it. I'll tell you everything you want to know. Someone posts a question about, heaven forbid, Priya, horse videography. Like, different kind of horsepower. Someone asks a question. Priya is there to answer it. You want to find out how to take photos, we're there. You want to find out how to be a mechanic, Courtney's there. You want to find out how to write, you're there. If you want to learn the ins and outs of how to produce a TV segment, Brioni's there. You know, it's just a community. And it's really exciting to see what you're building. I think to get involved, the, for me, what I did, the best thing to do was just talk to people as well. You know, get involved in all the communities that are, that are there and, and ask the questions. And I think that can be really the best thing because that's what I did. I just, it, it can seem scary at first, but when you get past that, it can really be the best thing for you. 
100% and grassroots motorsport is so important. It's so important and volunteer, they will welcome you with open arms and just, yeah, give it a go. And even if you're not quite sure what you like, then that's the opportunity for you to see what's going on. But yeah, also Careers with Gears is about showing all of the different roles. So for instance, team coordinator role, there was a lot of girls that messaged me and said, I've got no idea what that even is. Okay, cool. I'll get someone on that is one of those and you can understand what their role is. And yeah, it's just about just broadening the mind and for girls to see that this is, this is an option and it isn't something that's pie in the sky. I'm a normal person. I, you know, I, when I'm not a racetrack, I am packing school lunches and, you know, I'm doing all of that stuff. I come to it really, really late in my thirties. So it's never too late to follow your dream. And I think that there's, but I was scared for a long time. And I think it's so important for someone to hold out their hand and say, hey, I'm gonna support you through this because I know this is what you want and it's not easy. And like Bryony says it all the time, there wasn't something like this when she was doing it, when she was forging her path. And I wanna provide that for other girls that want to be there. But I will say that every time I talk to a team boss or someone in team management or even in supercars management, it is not about your gender. It is not, it is not about whether you're a boy or whether you're a girl. It's about whether you want to work in this sport because it is a lifestyle. It is something that you live and breathe. It's not a nine to five and you have to be aware of that. But management don't care what your gender is. They care whether you want to do the job, do it well and want to commit. And I think that's really important to get across to girls as well, that I've never felt held back because of my gender and I think that everyone needs to just embrace each other, be a happy motorsport loving family. <laughs> Our final question for the pod, and we usually ask this at, at the end of each episode, do you have any advice for girls wanting to get into this sport? Volunteer. That's my big thing. 100% volunteer. You'll be welcomed with open arms and grassroots motorsport is where all of us began. We all did that. I began in circuit racing, Brian Ingerson in Speedway, Chad Nail on Speedway, Drags. They are crying out for people and there is so many different aspects that you can go to. It's not just media, it's category management, there's event management, there's scrutineering where you can just get up close with awesome cars. And I think my one massive bit of advice is volunteer get yourself to a racetrack experience it and then back yourself absolutely back yourself if you know where you want to go nothing can stop you and if you ever need support you ever need anyone to be your cheerleader dm me contact me i will be that 100 percent. i will be there for you and we will see you at a racetrack in in pit lane where you want to be really really soon Charlie, we thank you so much for your time today. It has been an incredible chat. We really just flowed and that just shows that how passionate you are about motorsport and about what Girls on the Grid is trying to do. We are just trying to show women that they can do it. They can. I've done it. Priya's done it. Charlie's done it. 
we can do it. Like, and our, this part, this platform, this podcast is to give you the stories of people like yourself, Charlie, who just loved motorsport, just loved it. And you can do whatever you put your mind to. And that's what Careers with Gears is doing. That's what Girls on the Grid is doing. That's what Girls on Track are doing. We are all working towards the same goal, which is more women doing what they love inside motorsport. So we thank you so much for your time on the Girls on the Grid podcast. We hope that this is... I have a feeling this is not the last time that we chat to you on this platform. I've got good vibes that I feel like um, your story will be really well received and that you'll be back to talk to us very often which is exciting for this podcast and it's exciting with careers with gears it's a very exciting time to be a woman who wants to get into motorsport because when i started these things did not exist thank you both so much and like honestly when you asked me i was like wow but i've had such an amazing time i love what you guys are doing you're so well you're, you're young you're younger than me so you're young and you're fresh and you're just out there going it and yeah I just love the fact that I walk up and down pit lane and I see women like yourselves there and it just like warms my heart that we're all supporting each other and we only just want more people to join us so um yeah just get into motorsport it is something that you can just absolutely love and everyone will welcome you with open arms and I cannot wait to see you all at the racetrack really really soon So it was great to have a talk to Charlie today. She has done so much for this sport already. She's been here for only a really short time, um, but, you know, she's a really big advocate for the girls. And I think her story also really shows that true grit and determination, it can really get you anywhere in this sport, even even if you're starting really at the bottom and and just getting involved and and being an official. And um, she was only an official three years ago and, and look where she is now. So I think it's been really awesome to see and um, yeah, it'll be great to see what she can do next. I actually didn't know a whole lot about Charlie's story before. Mm, neither did I. I'm actually like quite blown away about how similar our pathways were. We both did the volunteer route. We both hustled our bums off to get our foot in the door. So it was really cool to hear her side of it because I know that my that my path was a little different and it was probably the long way around to go and it's definitely paid off completely so it was cool to hear her side of the story and yeah I just really enjoyed talking to her and I think uh, she might uh, be a bit of a recurring guest with us because she seems to have oh, absolutely she has the inside scoop the bit of the insight into the sport and yeah and she's she's very good at what she does so well that's it for us for this week guys thank you all so much for listening um we're really looking forward to our next episode we've got some great guests lined up for the coming episodes and we can't wait to chat with them so we'll see you guys then see you guys you've just listened to another network r production 